The reviews are in, and we're going to tell you what they are. He's Todd Vandenberg. I'm Rob Steele. And let's start with something that is incredibly overdue. No, no, let's see. Let's have an entire show devoted to stuff that is really overdue. Because there's a lot of stuff in this show that is really overdue. But we're going to start with something I found. Uh, I'll call it in pre-pro, Hi, Ted. <laughs> um, because literally seconds before we started this recording, I found a company called Super 7, who is redu- reducing, who is producing 2001 a Space Odyssey action figures. Now, it is unclear as to whether or not they have the rights to create these characters or not, or how they got them. Basically, the figures look kind of, at this point, eh, close enough. But they're making figures of <clears throat> Dave Foman, Frank Poole, and Haywood Floyd. Uh, each of them with replaceable heads, so you can have different expressions. Now, assuming this is Haywood Floyd from 2001, not from 2010, we get different actors. So I'd rather have the 2010 version, because Roy Scheider's cooler. Well, he does have multiple heads. Maybe one of them is the 2010 actor. That would be nice. Um, And multiple hands, so you can, you know, gripping or whatever. Uh, The other figure is the one I'm more interested in, because it's basically a monkey. um, Nice, nice. With extra heads. Hands, two bones, and a monolith. I was going to say, better have a bone, better have a monolith. Okay, so my big question is, is there a HAL I want to say Dave comes with a small HAL console. And and what is the HAL action? Oh, I don't know that it does anything. It looks like a small piece of plastic to me. Not a a lot of action in the HAL 9000 action figure. Well, what exactly do you want it to? It's not like it had a dance routine in the movie. That's true. I want it, but it could sing. It could sing. It really should do that. That would be, actually, that'd be really sweet. They probably don't have the rights. They probably have to pay more for the rights to that song than they have to play for the movie. Probably. Probably stole it. You think? Just saying. Oh, geez. Okay, other news. And this is, this is, I think, an overdue return. Oh, oh, just a moment, though. Just a moment. Yes. Is it true that the same company is now going to be doing action figures from D.W. Griffith's Birth of a Nation? Because that would also be very, like, on point and current. I have no idea. I mean, 2001? Seriously? Very cool. But it's like, okay, that's... uh... You pulled that from where? Yeah, Yeah. seriously. (laughs) Anyway, other news that some people think is overdue, Russell T. Davies, the guy who brought Doctor Who back, is coming back to Doctor Who and taking over the show again. Interesting. I think that's a cool idea because the last few seasons have been, they're not bad, they're just kind of sketchy. And no, I'm not complaining about the Doctor being a woman now. I think she's doing a great job. She just needs a better script to go with. And that comes back to the showrunners, and Russell T. Davies did a pretty good job, I thought. Fantastic job. So there we go. Russell T. Davies, welcome back. Big news. Um, Let's go to Netflix for a minute. Let's. Because we both noticed that Netflix came out with seven or 8,000 trailers this week, and then in in pre-pro. Yeah, Ted's still here. In pre-pro, we we mentioned that. Hey, how many of them did you watch? Oh, just the one? Yeah, me too. Just the one. It's probably the same one, too. I watched Cowboy Bebop. And which which isn't even a trailer. It's just like the title sequence, which it is It is hilarious. the opening sequence, and it, it's the same as the anime. Um, well, it's the same backgrounds. It just has live-action people on it now. Which, 
I am very excited about a live action Cowboy Bebop. Very excited. I hope to God they don't screw it up, but I'm very excited about it. It's going to be interesting. It will be uh, interesting. Big, the best thing about this whole thing, I love the fact that they called it Tadam. Yeah. As in, as in the opening sequence of every Netflix show, Tadam. It's like very smart, very smart marketing. But yeah, they just unleashed, as in unleashed, as you said, probably several thousand trailers stranger things season four ozark season four witcher season two and tiger king season two which really what how yeah that one and i haven't watched it Uh, and and actually i think the trailer is just announcing the date that it's coming out but i really don't see the point of doing a second season of tiger king I'm slightly worried that COVID's going to make a resurgence just to make sure Tiger King does good. But I will say the one I'm most excited about, and I haven't seen the trailer, maybe we'll talk about it next week, is The Sandman. Yes. That is... That's a pretty big deal. Yeah, talk about high risk, high reward, because they could really screw this up (laughs) and get a lot of people super pissed off. Or, Or this could possibly be... Yeah, no, I think it's probably too niche to be like their biggest thing ever. But it's got the potential for that. I mean, because the Sandman has some major, has a major fan base. I think bigger than people think. Well, but actually, it's got huge expectations for this. That's a wonderful segue to the next bit. Um, well, because something else that could be screwed up <laughs> and piss off a lot of people, and they're talking about this seriously. Apparently, because I first read this and went, that's got to be a joke, but there's too many people saying it now. Uh, The MCU is possibly changing the name of the X-Men by dropping the men part for equality purposes, because calling them the X-Men is outdated. Right. And part of me gets that. But change it to what? That's my that was my thought, too. I, I, I get it. I totally get it. But. X-Humans yeah, X- is kind of unwieldy. That do, well, that doesn't even work because they're still humans. They're just mutated. Well, they'd be X-Humans. And not only EX-Humans, like they're post-humans. Yeah, I'm not sure that what would be they... In, that would be the Inhumans, though. That would be Inhumans, which would be very different. Yeah, I'm not sure what they're going to go. And I totally get the, the concept and totally on board with it. I'm just curious what they're going to come up with for that. And isn't the person who proposed that now the new president? Uh, of, uh Yeah. Uh, I forgot what it is, but yeah, she's she she got a massive promotion within yeah. Disney. Yeah, which is very cool. So huzzah for her, and I can't think of her name, and I'm too lazy to look it up because I didn't do my pre-pro work. Hi, Ted, and I threw my part in too. Um, yeah, I, I like the concept. I'm not sure what they're going to go with there. That's all. I, I mean, I, I can't see them losing some marketing on that too because the oh. X-Men, have, they've been around for what, 50-something years? Yeah. I think coming up on 60 years, actually. Although, for for the moviegoer... It'd be 20-something. For the moviegoer, what is the general concept? What's the general feeling for the X-Men as far as movies go? I think that's a pretty smart marketing move. Is like, let's wash that out of our mouth. Let's put, just pour kerosene down your throat and get rid of that. Because most of those movies are horrendous. That is true. So not necessarily a bad idea to uh, kind of reframe that and reset it. 
And that also leads into our first review of something that we both watched this week. And it, it's something that I'm, you know, talking about rebranding and for equality purposes. The show we're talking about did do a number of gender swaps, and most of them I don't have a problem with, except for Ito Demerazel, or however they're pronouncing it. Um, Because that character being female does throw a fairly substantial wrench in doing other stories that this character appeared in. It is nothing against Laura Byrne, who is the actress, and we'll get into something where they... I think they really screwed it up in episode two, but we're talking about foundation. The, a uh, much, a much anticipated. Which have they ever attempted to film foundation before? I don't think they ever have. Have they? They've might have tried to do bits and pieces of it, but it's been called for a long time unfilmable. Yeah. Um, which, frankly, I don't know why. Because well, it's not. I think it's because it takes place over so many different. You know, so chap there. It's the book which I started rereading last night mm-hmm. after watching episode two and going, "Hang on a minute." Yeah, um, they've changed a lot of things. They they changed a lot, um, but I it's broken up into, I think it's either four or six parts, and episode one was part one of the book, which was I think six chapters, and that's fine. I get that. Episode two. Uh, is not part two of the book. I'm not sure where most of this came from. It could have come from extra short stories that maybe Asimov wrote. Or it could be entirely new. Because be. as, because as they're they're making taking pains to say, this is based on. Right. So well, it's better than the inspired by that they did with iRobot. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, it actually has something to do with the original series, unlike iRobot, yeah. which basically had robots. And that was and about, it. about it. That thing sucks. Yeah. By the way, in case you haven't heard us talk about iRobot before, it sucks. It's atrocious. It's garbage. There is a like target for a remake. Yeah, that's just a horrible freaking movie. Will Smith has nothing to do with the fact that that's a terrible movie. Terrible, awful, god-awful movie. I might almost watch Cats again instead of that. No, it's not, not that bad. No, it isn't. But anyway, back to foundation. Yeah, the, the uh, episode two, there was a substantial scene with uh, Demerzel. Yes. Which that, that was a name I read in the book and just kind of, you know, I'm committing that name to memory. I'm not going to try to pronounce it. <laughs> so however you want to pronounce it, you go right ahead. There was a fairly substantial spoiler in episode two concerning that character. I'm not going to yes. tell you what it is. Yes, and I don't like the fact that they put it in because that didn't come out until the last book of the Foundation series. And I, I'm I'm not a fan of that bit. Hopefully they have reasons for that rather I'm than just like really kind of a kind of a quick shock value, because frankly, I wasn't all that because I didn't remember that detail from the books because it's been since high school since I read Foundation. So and I that's, read them pretty much annually. That's a few years ago by the way. And uh, I was more than suspecting that was going to happen anyway. I wasn't remotely surprised by it. So maybe they just kind of feared it's like, let's just go with it. So get it out of the way. Yeah, whatever. yeah. we'll see. But I mean, it, it was a for those of you tuning in to expect a big action series. It's not a big action series. No. Um, 
I mean, it was well acted. There were a lot of great visuals. They added a considerable bit. For example, episode two. Um, Which, by the way, a big action series would not fit the book. No. The book is not a big action series. As as Rob correctly said, correctly said? As if Rob isn't correct. But as Rob correctly said a few episodes ago, I don't know, several episodes ago when we were first talking about this, Foundation is, pun intended, the foundation for a lot of what people think of as science fiction now. You like Star Wars? Yeah, You'll came see from Foundation. You like Star Trek? Yeah, it came from I mean, virtually anything you can think of came from Foundation. And yes, there were predecessors for Foundation. There was uh, Skylark of the Stars. Skylark of the Stars? I think it's been a Skylark of something, which came out about 10 years before that. But Foundation is much more in-depth, and Foundation is a study of society and man's place and how man evolves socially and politically. So well, even genetically in this version, I mean, the, I, I yeah, looked at some of true. this and went, oh, look, it's the X-Men yeah, or whatever right. they're called now. Whatever they're going to be, the X-Persons. The X-X-Men. Uh, it's going to be – so there's a lot of depth to this story as there was in the original books because, I mean, after all, this is Isaac Asimov. He doesn't just – and if you watched iRobot, he didn't just write uh, pop crap. So there's a lot of depth to uh, Asimov's writing, and I love the fact that – this series so far reflects that. There is plenty of action in it. It's not like it's just a f- serious thought piece. There's a lot of action, just not nonstop action. But when it's there, you get the payoff. I mean, the scenes are terrific, and there's a lot of tension when tension is appropriate. Really, really good acting throughout. I really like this series so far. But if it, you there's even are some good, familiar with good the books, humor, my favorite lines so yeah. far. Then we don't have to colonize every corner of the planet. What? There are no <laughs> corners on a sphere. Exactly. Yes. By the yeah, the the two leads are mathematicians, and I love the fact that they play that up a lot in this series. I love yeah. the fact. One one series that I've never have been on board with is uh, now I'm totally blanking out on that. It shows Big you how some are. Yeah, Big Bang Theory. I hate the fact that Big Bang Theory is supposed to be this series about really smart people, and they're not. They clearly aren't because of the way they act. And they throw out a few little facts every once in a while, but it's it's just not very well written. Whereas this, whereas this, to me. this is written by smart people. And the way they use math in this, and I know this sounds horribly boring, but the way they use math in this is foundational, again, unintended, to the storyline. That's a big part of the concept is how psychohistory is developed, which is predicting how people are going to act in mar- large numbers, is based on math, mathematical concepts. Not individuals, large and groups. It's a, and, it's a, and it's the core of the story, and it's extremely, extremely well done. And I love the fact that they didn't just throw it out, because if the same people who did iRobot had done this, <laughs> then, you would then name, we you wouldn't have bothered s- watching it. <laughs> you would have seen 2 plus 3 equals 7, because those people were dumbasses. This is really smartly done, and it's not just a deep thought piece either. There's a lot of tension. There's a lot of character development. It's really, really good. I was thrown off by the sex scenes in episode two. And yes, there's some pretty spicy little sex scenes in this, which is not something you typically get from Asimov because he was writing this in the 40s. He couldn't have published it. (laughs) So uh, that is true. 
not not that he was averse to it. It's just it wasn't going to happen. So I think this is extremely well done. So far, so good. And again, the first two episodes are available on Apple TV. And by the way, it's only four ninety nine a month. That's a pretty good bargain. And there's a lot of good stuff on Apple TV Plus. So you, you don't have to be a prisoner to cable anymore. You can get Apple <laughs> yes. TV. No, it's that's my segue. Very, very well done. Take it, have, run with it. I have watched possibly the most Nick Cage movie of all Nick Cage movies. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, I'm talking about Prisoners of the Ghostland. Now, that is not to say that this is the most over-the-top Nick Cage performance. It isn't. Uh, I've watched both Mandy and The Color Out of Space twice. If you want some really Nick Cage performances, there you go. Along Those with, are the Nick Cageiest. I don't know. He's got a lot of Nick Cagey performances, <laughs> as we know. So he's not the most Nick Cagey over the top that we have seen, but he has his moments in this. But he's very good. This is not a serious film like Pig, where he actually just acts and he's not doing Nick Cage. He's definitely doing Nick Cage in this. But as far as just the bizarre quotient, I think this one wins. So this is. Basically a melding of post-apocalyptic samurai westerns, which have been done before, oddly enough. Uh, that's that's kind of almost a niche. Yeah, Sukiyaki, Sukiyaki Western Django was, is one that comes to mind. But this is so crazy and so over the top overall. Totally, totally wins for that category. Basically, Nick is in this weird alternate universe, which is kind of out West, but it's also mainly Japanese culture because they have cowboys and samurai. And he commits a bank robbery, but it's like not old timey. It's like modern times because they have automatic weapons and everything. I've got your ATM card. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's how this thing goes. And and a lot of people are killed. And he is imprisoned in the ghost land where they send bad people. And the the sheriff of the ghost land sends him to go track down his squeeze daughter, sister, niece, whoever the hell she is. He has to go find her in the ghost land, which is basically this place where people who are no longer needed are dumped. Maybe it's radioactive. Maybe it's not. There is there is a nuclear explosion at one point in the film, and then you get the nice, pretty mushroom cloud, although it's kind of small. There are people who have hideous radiation burns who decide to cover themselves with pieces of mannequins and just stand out in this wasteland, just like they're mannequins. That's, those are some of the things that make more sense in this film. So Nick goes out. He, of course, has little devices that are going to blow up if he... Doesn't do the right thing because that's what you always have to do. Again, like, hey, shout out to Escape from New York. Uh, although, interestingly enough, two of the device, explosive devices are at his neck and two of them are at his testicles. Because that's fun. Yeah, it is fun. And spoiler alert, one of those may cause trouble for Nick later on in the film. Just saying. Nick loses a body part, but it's not at either of those locations. But he's okay because he's Nick Cage. Uh-huh. Uh, this thing is so crazy over the top. Is it a good film? Yeah, it's an okay film. Is it, a, is it a fun movie? Hell yes, it is a fun movie. This is a very, very fun movie. 
uh, one of the stars is, I'm going to butcher his name, but Tak Sakaguchi, who is the star of a film that I really didn't like, Crazy Samurai 400. Not his fault. He's excellent in the film. It's just that's the film that I talked about where there's about 400 samurai fights and it gets boring and repetitive because it's just him killing 400 people in a row because they can't match his skill. That's not a lot of tension, so that's why that movie's not that good. But he is a very good actor. Action sequences in this are very good. About the only person I didn't like in this entire film, uh, Bill Mosley, who you may remember from The Devil's Rejects, House of a Thousand Corpses. He's the guy who's not Sid Haig, who is less interesting than Sid Haig, <laughs> who has basically three emotions, angry, crazy, and mean. And that's pretty much what he does in this one. Uh, they could have done with someone, and he's okay in this, but it would have been interesting to have someone better because he's basically the lead villain. And it would have been nice to have had something, someone stronger in that position would have made it a better film. But he's okay. Uh, but Cage is very, very fun. Sophia Butella is, plays Bernice. He's the woman that he has to rescue. The, the cast does a good job. The set design is probably the star in this movie because it's just so over-the-top insane. Basically, the whole movie, think of Nick Cage's most over-the-top performance, and that's what this movie looks like. And then Nick Cage just kind of <laughs> like, he just kind of fills in where it needs some craziness. So he's not as over the top as he can be, although he has his moments. But the whole film, I would say it's as if Quentin Tarantino had a bad dream on meth and wrote something down in the middle of the night and said, I'm not changing anything. I'm just filming it. That's kind of what this film reminds me of. It, it, it wow. certainly could have been better, but... If you like strange, over-the-top, weird-ass flicks, Prisoners of the Ghostland is definitely for you. Uh, IMDb rating, 4.3 out of 10. I can totally get that. Rotten Tomatoes, it's like in the 60s, and I totally get that too. So uh, certainly not for everyone. But if you like odd cult flicks, totally, totally, this is the next movie you should watch, because man, this thing is crazy as hell. Really liked it. Again, is it a good movie? Yeah, I don't know, but it sure as hell is fun. See, I think that making something that fun can be a good thing, and I think that's what they tried to do with this week's What If episode. (laughs) I knew where that one was going. And I'm going to go ahead and say this. I think this last episode might be the worst thing Marvel has done since the 1994 Fantastic Four movie. Or or the David Hasselhoff, Nick Fury movie. I'm not sure which. I have a feeling you didn't like this one. Is that what you're... Is that your... This was a dumb sitcom episode. A dumb episode from a dumb sitcom. It was just... Okay, premise... They didn't, uh, Odin didn't adopt Loki, so Thor is an only child, and he grew up to be a beach boy partier, and he comes to Earth and has a big party, and I'm, he has, and he has a reputation. I've seen show on a smaller scale. I mean, uh, why? He has a reputation for screwing things up, 
in the past because apparently the word was that he destroyed a planet on one of his parties. Turns out that wasn't true. Spoiler alert. But it's like, you kind of know that's not going to happen. So S.H.I.E.L.D. gets involved and they call in Captain Marvel with the pager to put an end to Thor's partying. So they face off. They square off. Um, this is definitely the weakest film for me. What if episode? I enjoyed it for what it was because I think they intended this definitely as like a palate cleanser because most of the episodes have been pretty heavy, like Doctor Strange destroying his entire universe. That was kind of fun. So I think they intended to go for something lighter. Uh, I agree. I think they went. You too could far. tell it was lighter when Cat married Howard the Duck. Yeah. I think they could have left that out because personally, I think they could leave Howard the Duck out entirely. Uh, never got into Howard the Duck as a character. Never. Um, I, I did like part of his movie in that Leah Thompson was in it, and I, 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 I like her. I can I can just look at a picture of Leah Thompson and not subject myself to Howard the Duck, so that's oh, okay. Oh, I, I didn't say I was going to watch the movie again. <laughs> I, have, I have the internet and Google if I, if I need to. So... I enjoyed this more than than you did, but but did damn, this stupid. but did this even need to be made? No, not re- not really. Uh, the fun part of this, and to me, there are some fun parts to it, are, are the almost endless Easter eggs of all the characters that appear in this, because it seems like about half the Marvel universe, and I don't mean the MCU, I mean the Marvel universe practically shows yeah. up in this episode. There is a crap load of characters that show up in this and okay actually yeah it's more the mcu but still uh there's just a lot of characters that show up in this i mean it's fun to have darcy back that was very cool and yes kat dennings is in it jeff goldblum pops up and yes it's jeff goldblum as the grand master colson shows up about the only character that is not voiced by the original actress sadly is carol danvers Oh, it can and Frigga, too. So different actresses for those two. But sounds like her. That's cool. But Frank is in. Kobe Smulders is in. Samuel Jackson is in. Because when is he not working? Of course he was in. So it was fun. But I, I did like the ending. And I'm not going to say what the ending was. But I did like what they did with the ending. Because it does... I hope set something up because it really doesn't make any sense if that's just a throwaway. So that has to set something up. See that that was that's another one of my issues with this series is I've gone back and looked at the old books and the the books were they were all standalone. Right. Um, you know they, they were not linked at the end. Uh, Captain Carter is not going to interact with Doctor du- or Doctor Strange who destroys his own planet. Um. Well, I like the fact that they're linking some of these. Like, that's not going to be linked in because it's different universes. But because some of these can jump universes, like apparently the zombies might jump over. Frankly, yeah. I'd, I'd be happy without the zombies because, again, pun alert, that's a dead end. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, yeah I don't really care for the Marvel zombies. Never did. Um, no. But like you said, it was just, oh, let's jump on. The, the bandwagon and cash in. I mean, and hell, Kirkman was one of the lead creators of the Marvel Zombies universe. So, which makes sense because created The Walking Dead, but still. Um, as if he had a 
for the franchise rights to zombies, which is kind of bizarre. But anyway, okay, go to like the most recent source, whatever. So uh, I like that there's an overall arc. Um, but again, the end of this particular episode certainly changes things a lot from where we thought they were going with the zombies. So we'll see if they tie in. We'll see if that particular character winds up fighting the zombies because they both want to take over and they can't both take over. So we'll see if there's something that comes up there. Uh, but it better happen quick. Not many episode, episodes left. Episode eight's coming up. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, this is definitely a throwaway episode. They definitely could have done more. Uh, just as an example, uh, this has the lowest rating on IMDb of any of the episodes so far, a 6.6, which not really particularly good. I'll so, be honest. I'm surprised it's that high. Yeah, and, and I liked it better than you did, and I liked it better than that rating. But I wouldn't be surprised to see it in the fives either, honestly, because yeah. it is such a throwaway, just a comic. I mean, it basically, up until the very end, it's it's just a comedy is all it is there's really not any drama to it which is very different for for a marvel show what all and one thing you mentioned uh captain carter of course Haley atwell one thing they, did you hear about this kind of a strange thing is they had disney plus had put these standalones uh listed separately as as opposed to extras for the films like the standalone for agent carter was available the one shot, not the series, but the one shot had been available uh, as it, on its own, just like the one shot of uh, the Mandarin. The Captain Carter or the Peggy Carter one's gone now, no longer available huh. as, as a standalone, which is really weird. And there's a lot of conjecture is like, does that mean that they're not going to do anything with the character, which most of the conjecture means no, they're much more likely to actually going to be doing something with the character but that's just a really odd thing. I, I tend to think it's probably more than anything just a glitch. Because why take that one particular one shot down? Even if you're planning something, it's like, why? What's the difference? It's, yeah. not, it's, not like, it's not like the Peggy Carter movie is opening next week. And that's just an odd, an odd thing. So who knows? Maybe that, considering how Disney's contracts are. Maybe somewhere buried in like page 19 of her contract, if she gets a certain number of views <laughs> on streaming services, they have, they're going to they're gonna have to kick in a bonus. So they said, oh, God, we can't let that happen. And it's like we can't we can't, you know, share any of our billions and billions of dollars with the talent that, that happened that created. So I wouldn't put that past Disney. I mean, I, I really like the MCU not a big fan of the company that's uh, putting a lot of it out there because they're kind of like assholes speaking of one something that's like now they're suing disney is is suing to retain the rights to a lot of their characters which we didn't talk about in the news and that's interesting and i can kind of see it and it is an interesting it looks really bleak for the creators to get the rights back it does and uh, and if from Disney's standpoint, it sounds like it should be bleak because it definitely sounds like it was work for hire. Right. And they're, and they're stating is like, well, it wasn't work for hire. We were freelancers. And it's like, yeah, from the definition, it sounds more like it was work for hire, not like but it was freelance work. Hired by them as a freelancer. Yeah, yeah. It gets so, weird and legally. It'll be interesting involved. to see. 
But if I was an heir of Stan Lee or Jack Kirby or et cetera, et cetera, would I be suing for the rights to characters that have churned out billions of dollars of revenue? Yeah, Why? I yes, I think I would. would. So, yeah, uh, if somebody wins and it's not Disney, uh, I'm pretty sure I would be okay with the heirs of the creators to, to, to come out ahead. Does that mean it would be an end to the, to the MCU films? Temporarily, yeah. But do you really think they would just like sit back and collect on royalties? Uh, no. no, we will still get MCU films. Would oh, yeah. they then hire Kevin Feige? Yeah, they would. So it's not like, oh, my God, it's the end of the MC. No, that is not happening. So even if they do win. Yeah, don't panic. Going back to Mm -hmm. Doctor Who. That's not Doctor Who. That's uh, Hitchhiker's Guide. Hitchhiker's Guide. Sorry about that. Another BBC quality series. How many series have they done of of, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide? Three? I know they've done Um, two. I think it's just two at the moment, but there's also a movie. I think it's two, yeah. And then there's there's the radio drama and the... uh, Video Five game. and a half books in the trilogy. <laughs> yes. Indeed. Because Fun that's weird. Stuff. You know, speaking of books, though, and be- being turned into films, there's one we've wanted to see for a very, very long time. The Bible. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> the Satanic we, Bible. I, I have been waiting a long time to see a very good version of Dune on a big screen. Yes. And we had the 1984 version, which is not a bad movie. It's just really kind of weird and David Lynchy. Mm-hmm. And some of the characters are not exactly right because uh, the guy playing Paul Atreides in that version, help me out, Twin Peaks, dude. I've lost his name. Paul Kyle McLaughlin. There we go. Yeah. Uh, Kyle McLaughlin is a little bit old to be playing a 14 year old Paul Atreides. Which is what he was in the books. Just a bit. So now there's a 2021 version, which technically doesn't come out till next month. But guess what? I got to see it early. Ha ha. And I am not going to spoil it that much. Um, I am going to say a few things. Like Timothy Chamelet is the right age to be playing Paul Atreides. No, he's not 14, but he looks it. Um, And it fits. And the whole thing with this movie, the... The acting in it was spot on. It was exactly what it needed to be. The visuals, of course, it's beautiful. You can make beautiful movies now. Uh, I'm biting my tongue a bit when I say this. Ghost in the Shell was a beautiful movie. It just sucked. (laughs) There's a a difference there. This movie is beautiful and does everything but suck. This was pretty much exactly what... Dune fans have been wanting for a long time. Uh, Is it exactly like the book? No. There are a few changes, but they're good changes. Because in the book, you can always go, oh, is that what he said back there? Flip, flip, flip. I've gone back a few pages, and yes, it is. And now I go back. And you don't have to do that in this because they make explanations from the book so much easier to follow. There are some things that where they use terminology and they don't explain what it is until much later. They explain this a lot more up front. So you go, oh, that's what that is. And this goes here and these pieces fit together. I'm following it a lot better than I did in the 84 version 
or the mini series that sci-fi did, which I think was better than the movie, but that's me being picky. Um, there are a few things that I thought were excellent in this and uh, the shields when they did the little personal shields mm-hmm. they had, had a much better effect. I mean, the one in 1984 had a good effect for its time. Yeah. This one has a better effect for now. Right. It, it's really well done uh, when they do the voice. And if you don't know what that means, you'll watch it. It has nothing to do with chairs turning around. Um, <laughs> when they do the voice, I, I, it's it's a combination vocal telepathic thing where you tell somebody to do something. And the first time they use it in this, and this is not much of a spoiler because we're only like 10 minutes in, uh, somebody uses the voice and tells somebody to do something and it immediately cuts to them having done it. So you get this sense of they have no idea what just happened other than, hey, I just did the thing they told me to do even though I didn't want to. That is a very cool effect. And they do it a few times in the movie and I liked it. Um, There is one thing that I will say could have been done slightly better. I'm not... I don't really have a problem with it. It's just kind of odd. Uh, Stellan Skarsgård plays the Baron Vladimir Harkonnen, the floating fat man from the movies. Yeah, you remember him. <laughs> My one issue with this, and he, I mean, he does a great job of acting, but he looks a bit like an overdone Sontaran from Doctor Who. You remember the potatoes, the potato yeah. guys? Yeah, he looks kind of like one of them, only uh, a bit shriveled. That's That's my complaint about the movie. So he's a baked potato that sat out too long after he was baked. He He's a raisined potato. <laughs> that's well, that's that, your it's, complaint. It's just, that's it's pretty just solid. in his neck. It's not in his face and it's not in his head. It's just, it's just kind of an odd makeup. And you know what? That's my only complaint about it. And if that's it, you guys did a damn good job because I complain about everything. Well, <laughs> the the director, and I'm going to butcher his name, Dylan. 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 Uh, directed Blade Runner 2049 and before that Arrival and Enemy. So he definitely has established his chops as a sci-fi director because those are all really, really good science fiction films, good films, period. So the fact that he's able to, at least according to Rob, come up with a finally a good version of Dune, actually not that surprising. And, And Dune... Definitely a trickier adaptation in my mind, even than Foundation. So, and yes, they're already working on the sequel to Dune, which is good news. It it is a well. Actually, that was another thing. They said it ended awkwardly, and it didn't really. It it ended. It didn't end awkwardly. It ended abruptly. But we already knew this was going to be a a two part adaptation of the book because the book is kind of big. Um, Right. They stopped it. I'm not going to tell you specifically where, but it's at the first stopping point after the halfway point of the movie. That's where it needs to stop anyway. Which makes sense. So it, it, it's there. Um, and it's already got ratings. I mean, on uh, IMDb, it's got an 8.5. That's kind of good. Uh, and it's got a 75 on Metascore. That's kind of good. And and just to throw out, talking about how important it is to cast age appropriately... There's a film, Dear Evan Hansen, which opened this weekend, which I'm not remotely interested in because it's one of those feel good. Oh, that's so sweet. Whatever. BS stories. Oh, oh, and uh, it's a musical. 
and it's a musical and it stars the star of the musical which i think came out six or seven years ago and it's still that guy playing a high school kid he looks like he's about 40 he looks old for his age it's like he got held back a few years yeah you gotta (laughs) change the casting sometimes to fit the role is like it is absolutely ridiculous i don't care if this guy is the second coming of uh, John Barrymore or whatever freaking great actor you want to name is like if he doesn't fit the role you should have changed it because there's no way in hell anybody's going to buy this guy as a high school kid it makes it creepy there's a freaking reason it's not doing well at the box office aside from the pandemic because it looks like crap it looks like a freaking joke you know what you just did you ran an image run through my head of Abe Vigoda as Spider-Man no there you go <laughs> That would just about work. It's almost as bad as that. I mean, you don't do that. And again, seriously, it's like, I don't care if this guy's terrific. It's like, put him in the movie, have him play someone else, have him play a teacher because he looks virtually any movie you've seen from the 60s where they have high school kids and they're all too old for college. Yeah. Any movie in the 60s, they're all too old for college. He is older than that. (laughs) Like, oh my God. That's it's just atrocious. It's the stupidest casting decision they could have made other than actually eight pagoda would have been better. At least it would have been nothing wrong with any of the casting in Dune. It was wonderful. This is this needs to be the number one movie for the rest of the year because it's cool. It's that damn good. Well, and eventually when it eventually opens in North America. Yeah, (laughs) it has a shot at that. That's really Still not quite sure what the idea was. Well, I'm, because it's going to be on HBO Max day and date in, in the U.S., and that's why they delayed the opening here. So at least it can get some box office overseas. But, yeah, the, the, the pandemic is causing a few business problems, too. Obviously, that's not the biggest problem it's causing. Like, I don't know, are we, are we up to 700,000 deaths in the U.S.? We're getting close. So, yeah, that's hardly the biggest problem the pandemic is causing. But yeah. anytime they release a movie in one market and not in another, yeah, there's going to be issues. So wow. hopefully it comes uh, out. According to Box Office Mojo, it has made $76.5 million. That's pretty good, considering that uh, a lot of places are still not the best, most uh, safe environments to go to the movies. So. Yep. Not too shabby. Still behind Shang-Chi overall, which I'm very happy is the biggest box office movie of the year so far because it yep. deserves to be. But I have a feeling that Dune's going to pass it probably pretty quickly. It pro- if it's already made $76,000 in Iceland, <laughs> I think you've... Well, of course, everyone in Iceland's awesome. going, what is this sand stuff you keep talking about? <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm kidding. Iceland's anyway, so that though. is... That wraps up our show. And yes, we did mention COVID. Yes, it still exists. So our advice is, if you have to go out, wear a mask, even if you're going to get vaccinated, which we highly recommend. Um, And honestly, if you're not going out with an actual purpose, just, ooh, I want to wander around the mall, don't do it. Stay home and watch a movie. Captain, we're losing power in the warp engines. I think we should be leaving now. I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife. Uh, and on that unusually harmonious bombshell, it is time to end. I 
Man, we have a weird job. It's shameful, but uh, eh, it's a living. And like that, he's gone. My country.